0: everybody, Daniel Ramsey here with my outdesk, and today we've got a special conversation with Baron Gus. He is in Hawaii, so we're going to hear all about what's happening with tourism and the Hawaiian economy. So I'm excited about that. Baron is the president and CEO of Simplicity HR, Hawaii's leader in the human resource outsourcing. And so I'm excited to have you here today, Baron. Thanks for joining us. Happy to be here. Yep. And we've got Todd Cohn. Todd is the president and principal of Fidelio Advisors. Todd, thanks for joining us today. Appreciate it. Good to be here. Um, Okay. We're here because we want to add value to entrepreneurs and business owners across the country. And we're talking about what's going on in Corona times, as I like to call it. We have a BC, which is before Corona and an AC after Corona. And um, we're going to primarily focus on a conversation around what employers need to consider or think about in terms of growing revenue, keeping their employees safe and what the new world is going to be like. So let's just start off, Baron, with your Let's talk about what's going on in Hawaii. Number one tourist destination in in the U.S. So a lot of people are going to be wondering, you know?
1: Well, sure. So I think one of the things people don't realize, Hawaii is the farthest removed landmass anywhere on Earth. It takes longer to get to Hawaii than anywhere on a plane, by a plane. So with that, we have a little bit of what I call an isolationist mentality. It's that way every day before corona, after corona. But during Corona, our governor was quick to shut down travel to Hawaii. You know, he basically came on, on television about 45 days ago. And sadly, to everyone's dismay, he said, please stay away. So the please stay away order was taken to heart in that today we have over 56 hotels that have been closed. Uh, you know, Anecdotally, my daughter worked at one of the major hotels right on the beach in Waikiki in the human resources department. Okay. So I can say she was the one handling all the layoffs and their furloughs, and of course, she locked the door behind mm-hmm. her because she also lost her job as well. So with that, with tourism, there's 10 flights a day coming into Hawaii. So that'll right. give you an idea. In contrast, there's probably about 175 prior to coronavirus. We have about 150 people a day arriving by plane. Most of those planes are carrying cargo. But tourism, for all intents and purposes, is shut off. So Waikiki is dead. I don't know if you go on some of the Internet channels, you'll see a view much like anywhere in Main Street, USA. There's no one on Waikiki Beach. A side note, people still arrive here. They check into hotels, but the hotel front desk people are watching the mandatory two-week quarantine. So maybe I forgot to mention that. If you arrive in Honolulu, you have to go into quarantine for two weeks, whether it be in a hotel or in your home. And if you sneak out, they arrest you. So we're taking it very seriously here. And we're not protesting, if you will. I think one important thing to to understand, we have somewhat of an Asian culture and Asian people tend to follow the rules and not, uh, God forbid, I'm not trying to be racist here. I mean, I grew up here. We're, We're an obedient group of people, as a result, We've had a total of 10 deaths thus far with coronavirus. So it's one of the lowest in the nation, but we got on this pretty quick, but we've shut everything down and that's kind of really the point.
0: What's going on with your economy? Like, w- are you seeing other businesses like restaurants and other other businesses kind of suffer?
1: Well, you know, it's kind of interesting, you know, talking about th- this new world or the new paradigm is sure every every restaurant, pretty much has shut down. The ones that understood takeout, they seem to be getting better at it. The example I give, I ride my bike daily for exercise. I live in a little beach town. Mm -hmm. And in this little beach town, like many, some of the big restaurants have shown up to capture tourism. And so we have a big brewery restaurant that seats about 300 people. For about five weeks, it has been closed up, nailed up, nothing going on in there. Where, you know, eight weeks ago, there were people standing in line to get into this go-to spot. Right. But in contrast, next door is the burrito guy. And the burrito guy has lines today standing out, going down the street. And what I noticed, and he's always served takeout, but what I've noticed about it, he's gotten really good at it now. I've been watching the evolution as I ride my bike past his place. There's signs out there that say, hey, we just got a new mobile app and uh, we ensure that you, when you get your food home, it will stay fresh for 30 minutes and all those kinds of things. They're adjusting their menus so food can survive getting home versus serving you a crispy something and mm-hmm. a foam container that's a soggy mess when you get home. So the restaurants, the, the small ones who are quick to pivot, they're figuring this thing out. I just had, and I think you guys can see this all across the nation. You know, that restaurants generally need to be at full capacity to cash flow. Right. Well, it's pretty simple to understand. Even if we open them up with social distancing, if this restaurant is at 55% of its floor space capacity, they can't make it. And unless there's going to be a tremendous reduction in rent for these restaurants, you know, this is me just looking into the future. I think, unfortunately, you're going to see a lot of these big restaurants start to go away, even yeah. with PPP monies, because though they'll open up, nobody's going to be in, inside there.
0: Well, I like I like where you're going with that conversation. I'm going to bring Todd in now. A lot of businesses are zigging and zagging or pivoting, as Baron was saying. Um, Todd, we were talking earlier about what employers are going to have to kind of contend with with reopening. And so I, I want to hear what you've been doing and kind of what your company has been focusing on in that space right now. Sure. Sure. And
2: you know, unlike Baron, I, I live almost on the opposite side of the planet from him. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I live in the, the greater Washington DC area and, and thankfully I think people have been compliant here as well. And uh, we, we've not seen the surge you know, of, of contagion that, that just, you know, a couple hundred miles up the coast uh, they've seen in, in the tri-state area. So that that's that's thankful. And I think everyone is thankful that we've been relatively well-spared, although, candidly, just the, the city of 170,000 people I live in has more deaths uh, than, than all of the state of Hawaii, apparently. Um, so, yeah. uh, Barron, consider herself um, you know, uh, good and isolated for, for a, a, a positive reason this time yeah, around.
1: absolutely.
2: You know, uh, to, to your point, Daniel, as I continue to talk to more folks, uh, particularly up in the, the greater New York, New Jersey area, you know, the, the real specter of what they're going to do next is really out there, right? So everyone is sort of comfortable in this new normal. I don't know if they're comfortable, but they're, they at least know what they're doing in this new normal. For, for I'm this, going crazy. I don't know about you, you guys. When, of time.
0: Yeah, more Zoom calls and I might kill myself. I mean, not and, really, but, you know, a little bit. Absolutely. And, yeah. and when I say comfortable, like... You, Unfortunately, you know, you know what you're doing today, right? You're sitting,
2: you're sitting at your house and you're getting on your zoom calls and, you know, but, but the uncertainty of what comes next, right? So at at some point it's still weeks, if not months away up in in New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, but at some point people are going to go back to work. Right. And the big question is how is that even possible? Right. How do you get from, you know, where we've been over the last eight weeks you know, in, in which you can go down Fifth Avenue uh, today and literally see, you know, antelope, you yeah. know, uh, tumble by if, if right. you look hard enough to, to getting back to even even a quarter of what Manhattan used to be, you know, or, or the, the close in suburbs in terms of getting back to work. And so, you know, as I've been talking to whether it's it's HR providers, even larger law firms, uh, brokerage groups that are out there that, that are all kind of tackling this same dilemma together. You know, it, it started to look at, you know, resources and putting together resources to, to, to actually instill both confidence in the employees, coalesce around a plan for, for each of the businesses, and, and and then actually provide the the resources and tools to, to have everyone feel confident that, that they can make this work. To that end, um, you know, I, I've been working with a whole bunch of folks and, and trying to develop, you know, sort of what we are loosely calling sort of a an employee return to work toolkit. And it, it kind of brings all these things together. And, you know, I think it, we all have seen uh, over the last couple of weeks, the craziness that's ensued from, you know, personal protective equipment and, and trying to get that to first responders, you know, what's gone on in the grocery stores and the hoarding with with everything. and
0: it, Toilet it, paper, toilet yeah, paper. Oh, my
2: goodness. It, all of it. And, and so what, what we're trying to do is sort of bring together some resources to, to have a standardized approach towards... Getting confidence in both the employees that it's safe to come back to work, as well as feeling that the employers themselves have a plan that they can clearly communicate and actually put into action once that day does come. And so, you know, things that we've been looking at and and putting in an employee toolkit that would go straight to the house of, of an employee is not only communication, Right. From from the CEO, from from senior management, as well as sort of instructions, how we're going to do this, how we're going to make it happen, when it's going to happen. But more importantly, some tools to make it happen. Things, you know, simple things, but important things like hand sanitizer, non-surgical masks. Right yeah. to make people feel that, that they can actually go back to work, but but this is this, I think last part will be the game changer, which is getting access to at home collection test kits. because candidly in hard hit areas, particularly up in the northeast, covid is not going away. I mean, it's going to continue to decline. Um, and, and if anyone watches the governor of uh, New York every day on TV, you know, you, they can see the curve coming down, but it, it, it's not going to totally evaporate. And so having the ability to reach out, uh, not only communicate, but, but to instill confidence both in the, employee, the individual employee, but, but the allied workforce by having these uh, almost instantaneous it take about 24 to 48 hours to get results, but tests in which th- they can administer it themselves as an employee in their house within a, a very, very short period of time, you know, feel that that confidence that's being supplied by their employer to be able to come back to work.
0: I like that. What are you thinking,
2: Baron?
1: I'm thinking that I'm going to buy a bunch of those return to work kits from Todd is what I'm thinking. I think it's <laughs> yeah. a really good idea, actually.
0: I think there's, a, there's definitely a part of restoring the mental capacity of a company collectively as a group and removing fear. So uh, I'm curious, um, Baron, what are the things that you think should go in that kit? And then Todd, like, let's add to the kit or let's, let's give the audience what makes sense for employers to provide maybe in May or June when we all come back to an office environment.
1: Like I said, I think Todd and his his group, they're, they're really, they're futurists in thinking about that because this is all about emotion at this point. Yep. And uh, it's a very emotional issue. I mean, I can't even tell you personally, what we have is when you have CEOs like myself, you have what I call the hero syndrome. And that that is, so I got 280 people that work for me at Altruist right. and we started sending them home. But of course... I don't want to be going home first because I want to be there right in the trenches with my people. One of the areas in a PEO that though we do our best and we try to get everybody on electronic deposit and, you know, and eliminate paper checks. In our little paradigm, we still had 7,000 people that were on paper checks, and for whatever reason, they're unbanked and they're not moving. So right. we had frontline payroll processors, processors as we still do today in the office. Mm. I, I say that to say this, I finally had to remove myself because I had to really understand that I'm of that at-risk age group. I know I look 12 years old, but unfortunately, I passed that big milestone. I'm, i am uh, as we say in Hawaii, it's called a kapuna. That just means old guy, to make long story short. And um, what good would I be if I was sick to the rest of my people? I'm still the leader. I still have great people in place. We have contingency plans that I needed to stay healthy. So the reverse of that is I've got to feel that I'm not putting my company and my people in jeopardy when I personally even return to work. And so that's gonna be the hurdle, I guess we have to figure out. How do we get people to really feel confident that when they return back, i am taking you on a little bit of a tangent because we're talking about what does the world world look like, AC, after coronavirus. And we talked about, well, how hotels come back. And I kind of think the world's changed a little. And here's my example. We're in, a, we're in a visitor destination. People come here for sure for business, but they come here to visit. And usually when people visit beyond staying in people's homes, they stay in hotels. And I started thinking about the concept, do I want to put myself and my family at risk checking into a hotel and ensuring that it was sterilized from the night before, from the guest the night before? Am I willing to put my health, my future, my life, my livelihood in the hands of, you know, a sanitation worker in the hotel? The answer at this point is no, because there's no protocol. There's no standards. So I started imagining you're going to see the large hotel chain, say, come up with this advertising concept that you can stay at Acme Inn because we have a 22-point sanitation regime that you and your family can count on. And you're going to see that I think even in in offices, the the management is gonna need to get their employees to feel confident that they have brought in the sanitation people and every night they're gonna sanitize everything. I don't wanna drone on, but I wanna drone on because it's kind of funny about this. I had a friend who was in the janitorial business I said, how do you make money doing this? You have to empty the waste paper baskets. You have to wipe down the desks, wipe down this, wipe down that. And he says, we only actually clean the things that people can see. And then when the customer calls and says, hey, on the top of the cubicles, it's dusty. Then we get in and clean the top of the cubicles. Because if we tried to do it every day. So that being said, if that is the standard that we were accustomed to, And most people kind of know that. How do we raise the standard? And then more importantly, are people going to actually pay for it? Is there going to be value and will they compensate? You know,
0: Baron, I think you guys have another challenge. I don't know that many people are going to want to ride on a plane because hotels, at least, you know, they're an open place. You can kind of sanitize your own little space. But on a plane, recycled air right next to somebody squeezed up. So Fresno, California was the first government entity, whether it was local, state or federal, to put out a guideline for employers to follow a safety standard and we wrote a blog on that so we'll put those in the show notes and what's wild is they actually have a standard like fresno said if you're an employer and you have people coming into your office you need to ask them you know have they traveled have they been exposed to anybody who has flu-like symptoms you know are they personally experiencing anything in the last 48 hours and then you know do you currently have a temperature? And like they had a checklist for employers, right? I thought that was really cool because three weeks ago when everybody else was like, I don't know what to do, they actually put that out. And so we did a blog post and we've got that in the show notes for everybody that's listening. Todd, what are in these return to work kits and what should employers be thinking about as you, as we come back to work?
2: Yeah. Well, I, you know, I, I think the, the most critical part, right, uh, is communication and a plan. At the end of the day, you know, you can say that you have the best sanitation crew, that you have the most advanced chemicals to, to clean the office, et cetera. But to really instill confidence in, in your workforce, I think, you know, you really be, need to be an effective communicator. And, and you know, as, as Baron does so well out, out, in, out in Hawaii, right, is, is to truly be a leader with a plan, whatever that plan might be. I mean, the plan might be, hey, listen, we don't know, but we're, we're honest enough to tell you. I think that's first and foremost, and I think that that's a hallmark of whether it's something that that we're developing, you know, to try to sort of mass disseminate uh, or or someone someone that's doing it uniquely at their own company. That's sort of the hallmark of it, it, which is communication in really, I would say, genuine communication. I mean, we we see throughout our work lives so much communication that it's BS, right? It's their platitudes you know, in a lot of cases, it, it's a form that someone, you know, adds your name and their signature and everything else is, is fake, right? So right. It, it's really that genuine communication. And, and really, I think beyond everything else, if I were to, to boil it down to the two most important things, is it, it's the communication and honesty of a plan. And to the extent at all possible, it's the ability to provide something to your employees that they can't get on their own in order to instill that confidence. And today, in today's day and age, and, and hopefully this will change, right? I, I I don't want this to be, you know, a market for, for a return to work kits but r- right now it's testing. The, the ability uh, for- I can't
1: agree more. Testing is the everything that's going on because yeah. vaccination isn't.
2: No, and right now, I mean, so it was just three days ago that the FDA uh, issued their, their first uh, emergency use authorization for an at-home collection test. Mm-hmm. I mean- it's a little late, I, and it, at this point, I mean, I, I know there's a backlog, and in, in, you know, we've been doing a, a lot of work to kind of understand what's going on in that space. You know, how soon we think the FDA is going to issue other emergency use authorizations, and then time to market between when they, they issue the authorization. And when these providers can actually get these tests out, so uh, LabCorp was the first that they, they issued the, the EUA to uh, three days ago. And predictably, right, you can go on LabCorp's website today. They have limited capacity, right? Yeah. If you're not a first responder, you can't get one. And, and so, I think it's it's going to be key both the testing to see if you have it. And then, you know, after the fact, I think that's probably number one. Number two is the immunity. And I think there's there are different schools of thought about what the immunity test is really gonna tell you. And, you know, whether it's effective or not effective, you know, but over time, I think, you know, we deal with an immediate sort of, how do you get people back to work? And how do you instill that confidence that they can be there? And then, you know, how do you have resources as as an employer, i.e. having, you know, access to, you know, for instance, two tests, for every employee, meaning one that you've sent them uh, in the return to work kit, and then one that you have in a locked, you know, storage location on site. When people start uh, exhibiting signs, you have you know a standard procedure in which you can isolate them, i.e., send them home, send them home with a kit to test themselves, right, mm-hmm. and, and and try to get help for that person if they are sick, but also try to distance them from the rest of the workforce, right. Well, it's really it's going to be touch and go for the first couple of months, I think.
0: Well, I think that's the challenge is I want to pull you guys into today, like right now. I mean, okay. So what we have is communication, a plan, some safety protocols, maybe some cleaning protocols, a test kit, if they become available on mass, let's say I'm in California. So we're all, we're all spread out. Right. But where I was going is like, if I'm an employer and you know, we all are right. We need to get back to work in sometime in May or June what other things can I do right now to provide a good environment or what other thoughts should we be we thinking about? You want to go first, Baron?
1: No, I want you to go first because I, uh, uh, no,
0: you fine. know, that's fine. I'll go, listen, go I,
1: simultaneously.
2: <laughs> yeah, listen, I, I it, it's a good question. I, and I think the message about redoing your floors in your office, right? It actually is a good parallel here. Right. So I, I was reading yesterday, I forget what publication it was, but it was talking about what some employers in Denmark, right, are doing uh, to to offices there to sort of prepare people to come back to work. And in some cases, they have come back to work in Denmark and and things that they're doing. And and some of the things seemed really off the wall, right? Like they have these disposable desk pads that, you know, they they put on every employee's desk. And then at the end of the day, uh, they they, they can take it off and and get rid of it. Right. So that, (laughs) you know. I think it's, it's fairly impractical um, in this day and age, but they're also talking about the, the new norm. Like they had this whole segment about the six foot office and now creating office environments in which you're reconfiguring, right, to have everything a minimum of six feet apart. It's a reversal of fortune. What's been going on for the last 10 years uh, is a trend towards open offices. Right well, and now, I might, add,
1: though, I might add, thank God they're actually looking at at that for airliners because they're now figuring out that they're gonna have to give people more
2: leg room. I can't <laughs> wait and hey, listen when you're five seven, every seat is first class, so you know,
0: yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> but you know i so I, I think it's instructive, you know what employers should be doing at this point. there's a lot of things that they should be thinking about but but it, uh, particularly on this topic to sort of prepare for the inevitable, which is coming back to work, is to really take this time um, and whether it's redoing their floors or, you know, working with a designer, you know, office space designer who's at home, just like we are, right, to come up with some solutions utilizing what you got in order to, you know, at the very least, look at uh, some short, mid and long-term solutions that are going to carry us through. And it's uncertain, right? We don't know how long it's going to take, we don't know you know whether this this is something that may be eradicated 12 months down the road through a vaccine or you know whether this is forever i mean it's it shocked me that this has not been out in the, the news more but i heard just 2 days ago that if and when a vaccine is created for 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 covid-19 it would be the very first vaccine ever for a coronavirus
1: what does okay, that tell you? So, so I need to take a stab at the vaccine thing for you guys, because you know, I sit here in isolation, and uh, one of the things I like to do is think about the future and think about the math of the thing. So I started thinking to myself, OK, tomorrow we have a vaccine. And we come online quickly, and we put two plants in China, two plants in the United States. One in Israel, because let's face it, they make great drugs over there. And one in the Netherlands, because they're calm and have a great way of life. We have six plants. Each plant can make 10,000 vaccines in an hour. Okay, that's basically pumping out close to three vaccines every second. And let's just say each plant stays open for 12 hours a day. That would be a kind of a, a decent average when you understand that they gotta grow this stuff in a Petri dish still. You know, you just don't make it. This, it. The vaccines are a byproduct of the other half
0: of the disease. Yeah, it's a seven-year process, no matter no. what.
1: <laughs> no, so so it's 720,000 vaccines a day. I think that's a pretty good amount of vaccine they're pumping out. Right. At that rate, it would take 30 years to vaccinate the 7.8 billion people in the Jeez. world. So if you want to start saying, okay, we're going to double it. We now got 12 plants or we have 36 plants you're still talking about 10 years with 36 plants. Okay. So now I understand because I, I, I'm not a vaccine specialist, but I understand the math. You don't have to actually kill every saber tooth tiger in the world for them to become extinct. Right. Because once you start this pattern, it will become extinct. But I come back to, and I got some age on both of you, when I was a little kid and we went into school cafeteria and they vaccinated the whole school, they didn't ask us our name, they didn't ask us if we were allergic to peanut butter, they didn't ask us anything. They had this gun and they shot us in the arm and I had the scar to prove it. In today's world, I just gave you the number, three vaccines being manufactured every second. There's no way in heck we're gonna be able to vaccinate the same amount of 7.8 billion people in that 30 year time. So vaccination though important, it's almost gonna be somewhat elusive. It's gonna be there in the front lines, it's gonna be important. But as Todd started to allude to before, testing is where this is gonna be. But before we even talk about testing, I kind of think about, when I went into hibernation six weeks ago, Basically the, 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 futurist said 50% of the world population by the end of the year is going to get COVID-19. i right? Right. never heard that. And X, I don't remember how big the number was. It mm-hmm. was going to die, but they were going to die. Well, I've been here in hibernation now doing what I'm doing. I'm still going out and riding my bike. I still go to the grocery store and buy some groceries. I am a little bit crazy in that after I go outside, I take my clothing off and I take a quick shower with soap, because I heard soap is good, versus spraying myself with, you know, isopropyl alcohol from head to toe. But the point is, I feel in my heart right now, not only is there not very much a chance for me to catch COVID-19, I don't think I'm gonna catch the common cold either. Because the fact that I'm wearing a mask, the fact that i wash my hands, basically, incessantly, I don't shake hands with people I don't know, don't shake hands with people I do know. Yeah. So I come back to entering the workplace, I think just with a modicum of what we are really doing right now, not to get sick, I think that transfers even into the workplace. If we don't hug anybody, and we don't share pens, and we don't share keyboards, and we don't share telephones, and we uh, wash our hands every time we into the bathroom, when we leave the bathroom, when we go into the lunchroom, if we just start trying to protect ourselves in the common sense way, I think we're going to hold a good amount of this off. Then i still circle back to what Todd talked about testing. And not only do I think return to work testing is going to be important, I've actually heard you know different discussions that once you test somebody, you need to keep testing them every two weeks. Not for the resurgence of the virus. But you need to make sure that if they're in the restaurant serving food, and we start to relax some of this, we're still making sure that we know when and if that person t- tests positive, within you know a, a short time frame, where these people have been. You know, and I can't even begin to talk about you know iPhone and Android, Big Brother tracking. I don't know if I personally want to go there, but I under, I understand how it could be possible, but. I well, just guys, think we're, we're, we're already setting ourselves up to minimize and mitigate exposure. I know yep. I have for the last six weeks, you know, yep. and I think both of you look pretty healthy to me. Mm-hmm. Thank you.
0: So, okay. Assume this is the new normal. My last question, we're going to wrap up. We'll let the audience know how they could get in touch with you guys. But my last question is, assuming this is the new normal, that we're dense distancing, that we're not using each other's pens or and washing our hands all the time, showering with soap. That's probably a new new normal for a lot of us, right? Uh, yeah. What's showering Period. Yeah, yeah. What's the long term effects of this? And how do I get my company to thrive in this time frame? Like, what what do I do with sales? What do I do with getting new clients? How do we survive as an entrepreneur, as a business owner? from your guys' perspective, in this new normal, which some people are saying three to five years.
2: So I'll start and I'll let Darren wrap it up. You know, it's, it's actually a really good pitch, you know, for, for the human resource outsourcing industry, whether you talk PEO or ASO or payroll plus, uh, plus HR, uh, however you define that, right? Because at the end of the day, for folks who weren't using these types, of, you know, of outsourcing opportunities, you know, they cobbled together a whole host of, of, of different resources, but th- they were successful, particularly in the small to mid-sized business market, that they, they can be successful because they were generally in one or two locations, right? So, but they're right. coming to an, an office location. I, I think even for larger businesses, what, what we've been through now sort of underscores, you know, sort of the, the changing of the guard, if you will, in terms of what it means to be a worker and what it means to come to work. There are businesses that for, 80 years may have had physical locations, and if you work for that company, that's where you came every single day, right? right? No ifs, ands, or buts about it. I think, you know, what we're going to see as a result of this is really a new normal on a lot of things, but not the least of which is, you know, what a workplace is defined as. And as you decentralize the physical location and physical ties of employees to a, to a place, the importance of um HR and workplace practices, the ability to access policies and people in real time, will become more and more important. And it's something that, that can't be done, I think, for a lot of these old line companies who, who have tried to do it themselves because of, of their ability to, you know, actually be together at a physical location. And so, you know, I think it's a good plug over time, you know for the importance that professionals sort of in the HRO space, and not only have historically provided, but but the importance of those organizations into the future as sort of this new normal starts to arise.
0: I like that. Baron. what about you? What are, what are your thoughts?
1: You know, so, you know, um, continuing on a little bit what Todd, Todd said, um, the fact is that though we are all glued to the news when we talk about businesses, we're really talking about our government's relief efforts. And a lot of that focuses around the CARES Act, and specifically the PPP program. Right. So the PPP program, most people think that it was a a way for businesses to finance themselves through this, but it really wasn't. It was really a program put in place, plain and simple, to get money into the hands of working Americans, and employers were the perfect, if you will, Uh, conduit from the treasury into the hands of your employees. The SBA's loan process was, was arduous at best, but I say that to say this, that I witnessed the clients of a PEO, my PEO, making application and receiving their loans in contrast to other businesses out there who are trying to gather together this data and information without the assistance and help of an expert who is was managing it. Sure, many businesses have CPAs, but the CPAs tell their business owner, go home, get me all the documents, bring it back to me, do your homework, and so on. Right. In contrast, a PEO, a client of a PEO, essentially pressed one button, a one click, and downloaded all their reports, made their applications, were first in line, got their money, got back. So I think it's this level of expertise that are going to help businesses survive and thrive. And so what we talk about is, now's is a great time to take everything in your organization and run it through a litmus test, a very sophisticated test, using the eyes of your customers. Anything your customers have value for and value to, focus on it. Anything your customers don't care about, outsource, get rid of it. Even if it costs you money, Now is the time to be smart with your available dollars, your available resources, your available time, focus on your business. And so I think outsourcing uh, in any way, shape or form, specializing on what you do is paramount as you start strategizing for the future because there's not enough time available. Even though these, these days are long, they sure feel short we're at home. I think everybody will agree, where did the day go?
0: Well, guys, thanks for being here. Um, if you're listening right now, my out we put together a go remote guide. So if you're right now struggling with getting your people together, building culture, understanding the tools or technology, all you have to do is text MOD to 31996 and you'll get our 13 years of experience having fully remote, Workforce. So we're giving that away. Guys, where would somebody get a hold of you? Let's say they wanted to have a further conversation and they wanted to find out more. Where would somebody um, just find you?
1: Well, Todd, you go first.
0: Yeah. If all somebody right. wants Todd to get a work from home kit, how would they find you, Todd? <laughs> uh, easiest way, uh, check out my website,
2: uh, the yep. business's website, uh, www.fidelioadvisors.com. You can find out all types of information, not the least of which is how to
0: find me. Perfect. And what do you guys, uh, Todd, We, my understanding is that you consult in the PEO, HRO kind of space and you help businesses kind of drive revenue and make model changes. Is that kind of your secret sauce?
2: It is, you know, so I spent the greater part of a decade working alongside of uh, the management team at Trinet and really helping them innovate, grow, acquire and become sort of, you know, a, a leading and innovative uh, PEO in the space. Yep. And, you know, along the way, you know, I started to, to really see these undertones of the next generation of, of HRO starting to develop. The proliferation of uh, new software uh, and IT technology, uh, proliferation of, of insurance, really growing up and embracing AI for underwriting and risk assessment. And then I think the third piece of that was, was really seeing a lot of capital flow into the markets and really want to spend on sort of HR outsourcing and sort of this insurance bundle all together. And so I kind of put two and two together and said, Hey, listen, based on the background I had, based on uh, a lot of the experience I had, you know, I started a company in order to really really be the spark to ignite sort of these undertones and undercurrents that were were out there uh, and really helping to develop sort of that next generation of HRO. And so that's really what I spend my time doing and helping those companies bridge from
0: where we are today to where we're going to be tomorrow. I love it. Okay, hey Baron, how would somebody find you? Sure. So real
1: simple. Uh, the name of our company is Simplicity HR. You can yep. find us at simplicityhr.com. Uh, I would say for your your viewers today. Also, don't hesitate to click on our COVID-19 resource page. You'll see that link on our website. Once you arrive there, you will see a plethora of resources, a lot of how-tos, a lot of guides, a lot of things we talked about, return to work. To find me, I am the CEO of a little larger umbrella. The name of our company is Altres, A-L-T-R-E-S. So it's Barron, very simple, B-A-R-R-O-N at altros.com. Send me something. I'm always interested. I do respond to all the emails, and uh, unless you're trying to sell me something, I might throw that in the trash. But uh-huh. say, hey, this is, not, this is not spam, and I'll actually talk to you. Or more importantly, uh, reference Mod Virtual, and I'll be happy to talk with okay. you.
0: Okay. That's awesome. Hey guys, um, final thoughts, final piece of advice for the entrepreneurs out there, for other PEO companies, for people in the HRO space, what's your final thought? And I want to just thank you for being here and sharing your time. I know how valuable it is. So I would say this, right? Take a deep breath and use this as an opportunity
2: not to shrink, but to grow, right? I, I think we're all going to get through this when uh, the smart people, and I consider all of us uh, and all those uh, who are listening, the smart people out there, but when the smart people actually use this as an opportunity to use their practical background and skills right to solve problems, and I think again, some problems are intractable. You know, I, I can't develop the vaccine. i I can't figure out how to get it to 7 billion people in 24 hours. But what I can do, and I think what others can do, is is really to leverage our our muscle up here to figure out uh, practical ways to instill that confidence in both your business, your employees, and uh, strategy to move forward
0: love it. Baron, what, what would you wrap us up with?
1: Sure. Well, you know, uh, as we talked earlier in the day, the fact is, strangely enough, we're actually gaining customers today. There are businesses that were well capitalized that this was simply a hiccup in their, in their startup roadmap. They understand yep. it, but they still have their long-term intent in mind in their goal. And to them, it doesn't really matter if they're working from home or if they're working in an office building. They still are doing what they're doing. So I would say stay focused. One of the things I see going on is PO owners like myself were being pulled at every direction, a lot from our customers currently because a lot of them are in panic mode. And uh, when I say stay focused, it's important to be something to someone than rather trying to be everything to everyone. Uh, Your employees are counting on you, your customers are counting on you. Those are the most important people in your life beyond your family and uh, take some time to get up from your desk and go say hi to the people you love in your family because it's important you maintain those relationships with them during this and well after this. So. Don't make excuses for how busy you
0: are. That's awesome. Hey guys, thank you so much again for being here. If you're listening, I loved our conversation about how to return to work and do it the right way as an employer and take care of your employees. Again, I just want to make sure that if you're listening, you you grab our free guide of going remote. All you have to do is text MOD to 31996. And guys, again, thank you for your time and being here and sharing all your knowledge and wisdom. Appreciate you.
1: Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you. Be safe.